walk together on life through the lens of faith. It's a space to listen, to grow, to be encouraged, and maybe even challenged as we navigate life together. I'm Pastor Jessica Morris, and I am excited to welcome you to today's conversation. Nicole Eunice, author, speaker, pastor, and coach, sits down with us today in the green chair. For the past 20 years, Nicole has served the local church through teaching and leading various ministries and startup initiatives. Her books include She's Got Issues, Brave Enough, and The Struggle is Real. She holds degrees from the College of William and Mary and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and lives in Richmond, Virginia with her husband and three children. What Nicole wouldn't say is that she can preach a killer sermon and has personally mentored and walked me through my pastoral journey. So I'm a little biased, but I think you are going to absolutely love Nicole Eunice. I know I do. And truthfully, I can't think of a better person to sit down with us during what may be the oddest holiday season yet. Nicole offers some incredible advice and lots of practical tips on two areas we could all probably use a little adjusting, rest and boundaries. So let's get to it and meet Nicole Eunice in the Zoom green chair. Okay, Nicole, thank you so much for being here with us in the uh, in the green chair. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be with you in the green chair. Green chair, chair. I know. Yours, yeah, yours is the tan chair, but it, it works. It's the tan chair. I wore a green dress for the green conversation. I felt like that right. was the way to, to help this really come together. For both of us. <laughs> thank you. Uh, okay, so I love, number one, you are not, like, you've been to Hope before you've spoken at women stuff like you this is this is a fun and I told the uh our people that you're a friend of mine like this is really a fun conversation for us to be having today so so thank you again I'm like triple thanking you you are welcome absolutely yeah I am super excited to be here and I do love hope I just we had uh, a friend my friend who helps me with book stuff came with me last time and we had the best time. Yes. We just loved being with the church. We loved being in Memphis. It was awesome. That's fun. Yeah. I remember we got to go to Babalu too. We got guacamole. That was so good. Oh yes. That was so good. I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that part. Yeah, it was so that was good. fun. Um, okay. So I want to really dive into your story. I love, you have a whole lot of different layers. So you're a pastor, you're a speaker, you're a coach, you're an author, you're like all the things. Um, but you started as a fitness director. That's right, people. A I remember fitness. the first time I came to a sort of a, de- like it's like a teaching development workshop around like teaching the Bible and people were like basically talking, sharing their stories of how, how they came into their teaching style. And I was, I think I was one of the only women in the room as well. And I was like, um, I came into my teaching style as a group fitness instructor. <laughs> So I've spent a lot of my life, like I cheered in college and then I went into fitness. Um, I had a really incredible mentor in the fitness world and it just really gave me a passion for empowering people through um, feeling strong in their bodies and connecting kind of their mind and their body. And so, yeah, I started my my world. Uh, my big first leadership job was as a fitness director in a YMCA here in Richmond. So yeah, that was like career number one. And then <laughs> after that career, 
I went to career number two, which is when I worked as a therapist. So went to seminary to do ministry, really felt called to ministry, but in the middle of that kind of took a little bit of a turn and ended up as a Christian counselor and spent about seven or eight years in private practice for career number two. (laughs) (laughs) And then career number three? Career number three. And then I went into into the full-time ministry and all of those things started to align. And really at the, at the heart of everything that I do, I've realized it takes a lot. I know you know this, but it takes a long time to figure out who you are and what you're really called to do. But in the middle, the thread between all of those different careers has always been just a real passion to help people transform, to help them become who they really are, um, but kind of addressing the obstacles along the way that keep us from that. And so after my counseling life, I kind of came into convergence in ministry as a pastor, taking all that I had learned and applying that through the books that I write that are really always about like, how can we really get free? How do we really experience change in our life? How do we become holistic, loving human beings like who are connected to our creator God, but also connected to one another in really deep and meaningful ways. So it kind of all fits. Yeah, I like that you said, uh, I think you told me when we were talking, it was like, you went from body to mind to spirit, and now you just kind of combine it all. <laughs> now there, are, yes. Now I'm like at holistic level, just like all of it's <laughs> yeah. coming together. And I mean, obviously, my relationship with God was really important throughout all of those seasons. But as many people watching are experiencing in life, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes God calls us to the marketplace. He calls us to be a light in the place that we are, and there is no. There's no like a there's not a better job. It's not better when you're working in the church or out of the church. Like God calls us to all of those different places for the way that we can uniquely bring that light and that freedom into those roles that He gives us. Mm-hmm. That's good. And how, what about writing? How did writing come into all that? Yeah, I mean, the writing came around because I was realizing that I had a passion to teach and a gift to teach, and I didn't really know exactly where that could play out. This was before I was were ordained in the same mm-hmm. denomination before mm-hmm. I really began to preach. I had never seen a, a woman preach mm. uh, really in, in all of my growing up years. Mm. And so that just didn't, it didn't feel like an avenue that was going to open itself to me. And so mm. in that season, I was kind of like, well, God's given me this gift. And I was teaching at a lot of different venues, retreats and stuff. And I would finish leading a retreat and people would say to me like, gosh, I just wish I had something I could take with me. I wish I could like continue this. And so really the heart behind starting to write was like, I wanted people to have tools Mm. that they could take with them out Mm. of the teaching that I was doing. And also just, uh, I talk about this a little bit in my own podcast about this journey to writing, but just also like felt like there was a problem I needed to solve. I I didn't feel maybe a little bit like you, Jessica, like as we're doing this kind of work in this new season, I just, I felt like there was a gap and there wasn't resources in that gap that I felt like kind of matched the people that I was serving. That just felt like an authentic voice, felt um, deep, but not, um, not heady but also wasn't like light and like not theologically sound. And I just, I felt like there was a gap there that I could enter into. And so that's why I started doing the writing as well. 
I like that. Yeah, that's that's really, really good. And then, um, okay, so what are like some of the lessons along the way? I mean, what I love about your story too, I mean, it's like which lessons, right? <laughs> uh, but what I love about your story is that I think a lot of people, there's like this, we tend to think that there's just one thing, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. you're just an author or you're just a pastor or you're just these things. And we don't tend to think, okay, I can pivot throughout my journey. I can pivot yeah. throughout my life. And that's what I love that you have done so well and often is that you've gotten to pivot, but what has given you this like wide range of experience, particularly with like mm-hmm. caring and empowering people. Um, but what are some like main staple lessons you, you, you've learned along the way? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you touched on one of them that, um, you know, you spend your, you think about, you think about like what we learn, right. As we're growing up, I have this very deep belief that we become grown ups and we kind of think we're supposed to have a great deal of life figured out. And we, we kind of are served that we were served this idea of like, basically you're going to get a promotion every year. You're going to move from third grade to fourth grade to fifth grade. You're going to go through high school. You're going to pick a major, which makes you think, Oh, this is like what I'm going to spend my life doing. And then you kind of come out of college. And in a lot of ways, you're just like, if you go to college, you know, it's like a screeching halt. You're just like, (laughs) like, shoot, I don't actually know who I want to be. And I don't, really know if this is this thing that I thought I would do or with my major is not really working out. And all of a sudden this life opens up to us that is a lot more nuanced and not nearly as linear as mm-hmm. I think um, just our culture and what we're steeped in kind of leads us to believe. And so we can feel really lost in that time. And I think the lesson I learned is that was absolutely me. I was yes. definitely one of those people who was like, the, you know, the year that I'm out of college, I'm an expert, right? Like you just, you sort of feel like you are supposed to have it all figured out. And I just did it. I did not have it all figured out. And I, I, I kept on feeling like I was never quite doing the thing that I thought I wanted to do or finding that fulfillment. And as the years have gone by, what I've really come to recognize that the, there was a deep lesson in that on some different le- levels. I think from a leadership perspective, there was a really important lesson about the idea that life is not as linear Mm. as it appears to be when you listen to someone's podcast or read their book or watch their social media. Like, especially and particularly, I think for women, life has a lot of twists and turns and even gaps where it feels like, oh, this wouldn't look right on a resume. Like this is a weird season, or I I don't feel like I'm doing something that really is leading me to where I want to go. But as I would like seek out women to who were leaders ahead of me to ask them about their experiences and a lot of men as well, there was this sense of like, hey, if you're going to live a life of faith, you're actually going to have to live by faith, which means <laughs> there are going to be there are going to be times where there's gaps in the story that don't make sense to you, or there's a there's a sharp right turn that doesn't seem to make sense to you, or there's a long wilderness season where you just feel like, what am I learning? How am I growing? What am I contributing? Like none of this seems to really add up for me. And I, if I could go back to my younger self, I would say not only should you expect that you should welcome it because mm. it's a sign that you truly are pursuing like the deeper thing that you're not settling, that you're not just allowing like the current of life to, to keep you in one direction, but you are really checking in with your spirit and checking in with your calling that God might be working out in you. Um, I, I think I needed to hear that. I should have heard that every three months for like 10 years straight. <laughs> yeah. It probably would have maybe it would have made a difference. Like it helped me <laughs> um, be a little bit more calm because I was pretty 
impatient, resentful, frustrated, like for a pretty long season, I would say in between kind of getting closer to what I think I'm doing now and where I was at that time. Yeah, that's good. That's really, really, really good. And I love, uh, you had, uh, you said that some man gave you this advice, uh, that, that relationships are the most important too. I thought that was another yeah. good piece of, yeah. And that was even just recently, you know, I, I love getting to talk to people who are, I'd say over the age of like 75, that's mm. like my, so I have this little weird thing where every time I go to travel and teach and speak, usually almost, almost, almost all the time, someone over the age of 75 will come up to me. And I, I just feel like it's a little, it's a little like thing I have going on with the spirit of God. (laughs) It's just almost like a confirmation that these people, men and women over that age who are saying to me, I see you, you're doing the thing that God's called you to do. Like he literally puts them in my path all the way through my ministry life. And so I listen, I love to listen to folks who have had that much experience in life because they have a vantage point that those of us who are living like deeply into an instant gratification culture, who are living just completely steeped in an internet life that has led us to be able and to believe that we can have every answer we need, like in 0.003 seconds, there are answers in life that we cannot get like that, that Mm. we do not receive. They are Mm. only earned through experience. And I think pain and joy that comes with a lot of life. So whenever I'm with people who are in that age group, I usually try to ask them like, what's one thing that you would want to tell me about life? So I was with a gentleman in that age group recently who had been through like a life altering experience in the last and in probably the two years previous to our Mm -hmm. conversation. And I said, what's one thing that you want me to know? And he said, um, you know, like jobs, they come and go, but community is critical. Mm. Relationships are critical. And I'm like, I'm looking at a guy who knows. Yes. Like I'm looking at a guy who walked to the line between death and life has walked back and is saying, Hey, here's something really important that you want to remember. Mm. And I know we all know that like everyone listening is like, Oh yeah, of course. Relationships are critical. But I, I would say to anyone here who's watching or listening, I want you to say to yourself at the end of the day, did I treat my day as if relationships were critical Hmm. today? Just like one day at a time, because what you might find is you might be like, you know what? I actually want to go apologize to my teenager or (laughs) like, this is yeah. like, I don't need to have this hang up with my spouse right now. Like it's not worth it. Or yeah. Yeah. I'm going to text my mom, <laughs> just yeah. tell her that I love her. Like <laughs> you may find that you make tiny adjustments mm. to the way you're living your days out. And those tiny adjustments will add up to a different life yeah. than the one you're, than you have right now. Yeah, that's really, really good. And uh, one one of the things, too, I love about you is that, number one, you're in um, Richmond, Virginia. We're here in Memphis, Tennessee. That's right. Um, but you're you're talking with people. You're with churches. You're with you're in these conversations. Uh, what are you seeing right now? Like, what are, what kind yeah. of conversations are you having? Is there a common thread in, into the, these conversations that that you're you're experiencing? Yeah, I mean, um, I do think there is. I think that what felt like a crisis and truly like in the, in the scope of history will still be considered and called a crisis, but like we're having to recognize that what we were calling a crisis is actually like a chronic, it's like a chronic Mm. condition that we're all going to be living with and in, and that requires a different set of resiliency, a different set of skills. 
Uh, one of the things about a crisis is that like our fight or flight adrenaline gets going. And so we can kind of like operate outside of our normal self. You see this, if you've ever been around anyone who's experienced like a very severe or like sudden illness of a child or a tragic death, they are literally like, they can be like robots. Like they can just make all this stuff happen and they're just almost disconnected. It's like God's given us a survival tactic that keeps us going when it's really hard. And I think like basically that adrenaline has run out collectively as (laughs) a culture. Like we can't live like that. So the invitation, I think, in this season that I'm seeing with people is that those people who've already done the work of um, understanding pain, that's how I'm going to put it, um, we are very good as human beings Mm -hmm. at pushing pain out of our existence and using all kinds of escape buttons like work and comfort and security and surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. We use all of those things as a way to kind of mitigate and um, escape the idea that we have to deal with Mm. lament and pain in our life. And we basically, as a culture have run out of escape buttons. Um, Mm. you can't escape on social media Mm. or you're going to get blasted with like the fact that you had no idea that your friend group or your people were as divisive and polarizing (laughs) in their views as they are. You you can't escape with the TV because you're going to see like more news about more people dying. You can't, you can't escape with work because work is like everyone is, is struggling. Even if your work is actually going well, collectively, we know like the shoe may drop at any moment with our economy and there's people who are struggling around us. So you can't escape it anymore. You just like, and so I think we have for those people who have not taken the journey of being like, what is it like for me to make space in my life Hmm. for pain, Hmm. like for lament, for loss, for realizing and recognizing. And by the way, as a culture, we've never dealt with death like as a thing, yes. like we just, we try yes. to pretend like it's not, yes. not a thing. And yes. so we don't have a lot of vocabulary. We don't have a lot of ritual or patterns of being okay with people being sad or uh, people struggling or ourselves being sad or struggling. Mm-hmm. Yet the Bible is full of patterns of lament and the opportunity and really truly the invitation to come into suffering as a way for your heart to grow in compassion and in wonder and in grace, all of, and in love. And all of this stuff comes like with the package of pain. Yeah. So what I'm seeing in people is maybe an, an openness or an invitation or, or, or almost like a desperation. Like I have to find yes. a way to yes. be resilient in yes. this, in this pain. Yeah, that's really, really, really good. And uh, the the kind of pivoting now, like, so I I, yeah. I want us to kind of pivot on two specific things, rest and boundaries. I know um, you okay. talk a lot about both of these things, particularly boundaries. But as we're like in this culture, right, like you talk about dealing with pain and having, I mean, that... We, we can kind of press our boundaries, right? We can become consumed, like you were talking about social media. We can become consumed with social media. We can become consumed with like just going, 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 because we are trying to push this out. I mean, it is really, really, really hard. Um, but how, like, what advice would you give to people? What advice would you give us? Because, I mean, we're coming into the absolute weirdest holiday season. 
Like it is going to be so weird. And so we're coming into that and we need to talk about rest. We need to talk about boundaries, both of which I kind of feel like they go hand in hand. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think you have such a beautiful perspective of a pastoral counseling perspective and speaking to that. And I'd love to hear from you on, on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first on on the idea of rest, I think a lot of people have one word associations with rest and they should just think of what their word is that comes to mind. Some people are like rest equals naps, like (laughs) rest equals lazy. Uh, you know, there's, there's certain ways that we rest equals like I'm sick. Like Mm -hmm. I, you don't, you don't rest. Like, so part of it is we have to kind of reckon with, okay, what is my understanding of like what rest is? Um, and because I really think that rest is trust, like rest, you can't actually rest if you don't feel secure. So Hmm. like, if you're a person who feels like you're in danger, like have you ever seen like a, a, a dog, you know, if a dog is activated and like worried or protecting something, like they don't lay down, like they they can't rest. So rest only comes when we have the security and trust of like our soul being able to stop. And so a lot of times when I am counseling people around rest, my first step is saying, can you become more aware Hmm. of your fatigue or, or of your anxiety? Like how do you just raise your awareness about what you're actually feeling in the first place? Because a lot of times the reason we don't rest is because we're trying to avoid stillness Hmm. because we don't want to deal with what we might find in the stillness. So one of the ways I counsel people is I'm like, Hey, your body talks to you. Your body wants to talk to you. (laughs) It sends out signals. So if you're, for instance, if you're feeling like, gosh, I just feel like my chest is tight or like my stomach is like, like I'm my stomach's tight or my jaw's tight. Like let your body talk to you and be like, okay, my jaw's tight. Like why, why is my jaw tight? Like, what have I been thinking about? What have I been holding on to? What like, start to try to engage a little bit more with what is your body telling you? What emotions are you feeling? Like why are you where did they come? When did they start? Where did mm-hmm. they come from? Because even beginning to to trust that your body is talking to you allows you to trust when you're when you need rest, mm. when you need to stop, when you need to pull back, when you need to to pause. Um, because a lot of times I think the, the reason we're not getting rest is related to things we're trying to avoid. So if we're not, mm. I can't just tell you what to do, yeah. go take a nap yeah. because if you're, if you're in a hypervigilant state, meaning you're kind of amped, you're not going to rest even in rest. Does that make sense? Yes, so absolutely. We got to get in touch with like, why am I not resting in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Well, because I'm so busy. I have so much to get done. I have to, okay. Why, why are those things so important to you? Yes. What are they, what are they doing for you? And then we can begin to kind of engage with like, where am I and what am I doing to my body? What am I doing to my soul? Is it because I don't like believe I can stop? And if so, what's behind that? So there's a lot more to it. So I think of it as a diagnostic in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, without rest, you won't have boundaries (laughs) for sure. Yes, exactly. Um, So let's define boundaries, Jessica, because like people are like, what? What does that mean? So simply put, like a boundary is where like I end and you begin. It's the separation between human beings and individuals. And boundaries are in our life. They can be flexible. And um, I love Cloud and Townsend who are like wrote the book on boundaries, like actually wrote the book. Um, they call it like a fence around your uh-huh. soul and your fence has gates that you can open and close. So I can, I can invite you in, but I, I, have, a, I have a boundary. I have a barrier, uh, a border between you and me. 
And so if you're going to come into my life and like, and take my resources, I'm responsible for my own resources. Mm -hmm. So the things we're responsible for as human beings are the way that we use our time, the way that we use our money, the way that we use our emotional, physical energy, the way that we use our skills. Mm -hmm. So those are, and especially the one with rest is time. The way that I use my time is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if I have a person in my life who's demanding of my time, and I don't have any boundary that I'm able to say, hey, um, I love that idea, but I'm actually not going to be able to participate in that. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have a no in there somewhere because I understand my own resources, my own energy, then people will constantly just come through my boundaries, take from me and go away with it. And I will be depleted and I will be enslaved by other people's needs rather than an understanding of what's mine to own. Mm-hmm. Um Without a without rest, there is no way of us actually even mending and tending those yeah. fences and knowing. Wait a second, let me check in with myself. How how, how exactly. am I doing? Yes. How's my emotional yes. and relational energy? What's in my life that's draining or filling? If I'm coming into a holiday season yes. and I have a particularly draining dynamic somewhere in my holiday season life, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I going to do to refill mm-hmm. that thing that I am choosing to allow to be depleted hmm. because I want to enter into those relationships. Hmm. And that kind of engagement with yourself is a thousand percent different than he or she made me do it. I hate being with so-and-so I'm never, you know, that's yes. giving away all your power and being like other people yeah. are in charge of my life and I have no control over it. I'm like, no, you have a hundred percent control. So you can say, I'm choosing to enter into a draining dynamic. What am I going to do to refill and to be filled, to keep myself, to keep my boundaries in place in a way that allows me to love people with freedom and joy, Mm -hmm. not because they're taking from me, Mm -hmm. but because I want to give that from a place of abundance, not a place of like um, this weird, like manipulation or passive aggressive, you know, dominance. Yes. And I love that, like, most of what you're saying, too, is, I mean, it really involves, like, if we're going to actually be implementing rest, we're actually going to be implementing boundaries. I mean, it's kind of about knowing ourselves, right? Like, it's about being able to say, like, I'm stopping, I'm still enough that I know my needs. Like, I think that's a big issue, too, is that I think a lot of us just don't even know our own selves. Like, I think we are just going, 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 kind of what you were talking about. Like, we're just going so fast, we're so busy that we're not taking the time to stop and check in and say, uh, is there a reason my lower back is killing me all the time? Or is there a reason my, you know, I mean, we're not checking in with ourselves, I don't feel like. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I want to address this, too, because I think, some people can hear this stuff, especially like in faith and be like, that's so selfish. Like it's so self-absorbed, yes, yes. this whole conversation. And I appreciate that. Like, and I do think it can arc that way if we don't have the purpose in mind and recognize that actually it is really deceiving. Uh, we're deceiving ourselves if we think it, it that we have to be so busy. Like, mm. It's actually quite prideful to believe that I'm a person who has to live outside of limits as if like God, my creator, like my spiritual parent, my creator, God, who created me with limits, who created me with a need for sleep and rest and nourishing food and a a God who did all that. You think that 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 just discount, like Mm. you don't need to pay attention to any of that. You can just like go be this busy person. In a lot of ways, you are operating independently of your creator. Yeah who designed you for rhythms of rest, who designed you to trust him, to be able to like let go of things that you can't control. So I like to invite people to say, hey, this conversation about self-awareness, 
this is the, this is actually like the heart of God Yes, because only with awareness of who we truly are and our own limitations and our need for a dependency on him, only with that awareness, can we actually love Hmm. with abundance and Hmm. freedom, which is what we're really called to do as Christians. So I like to reconnect to people to say, Hey, boundaries are not about like, how can I get more me time? Like, (laughs) how can I get mine? It's, it's, it's actually about how can I be the fullest freest version of myself, Mm. which then brings the most glory to God with the life that I'm living because of the way that I will love people out of that freedom rather than out of whatever else, our own patterns from our family, whatever, whatever solution, like whatever problems we're trying to solve through our future because of our hurt from our past, all of that stuff is not freedom. That is Mm. not free at all. And Jesus says that he is about freedom. Like that is what, yes. that is what we find in the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm, that's a fantastic point. Thank you for saying that because I think that is so, so important to note because it can just become about this like whole, just give me me time. Rest is about just taking a nap. Like it's, it, I really appreciate yeah. you making that point. Yeah. Okay. So can you make, I'm a, I'm a super practical, practical person, right? Like I like the, like, like write it out for me. Give me some like really <laughs> practical tools on how you do this. Like how, how do you practically in your life implement rest or how do you practically do boundaries? Like, can you give me any kind of examples yeah. or things that we can potentially practice or apply? Yeah. I mean, I think that like one of them for rest is, is to try to check in like with yourself. So you could just set a you could set a timer on your phone. Um, you could set a timer for two o'clock, you know, and at that two o'clock time, it's a time that you should just breathe. Like, just breathe for like a minute and be like, let me check in with my body. Like, why do I have a headache today? You know, um, do I need to drink some water? Like what, just basically like actually (laughs) slow down a little bit to be like, what is my mood? Like, what's my mood? Um, am I carrying a lot of anxiety? Am I carrying a lot of like control right now? Like maybe I just want to release that to the Lord. Um, for people who have a hard time, like knowing how they're doing, that's a great, like just a check-in at a Mm. certain time of day that maybe your cell phone alarm goes off. Um, when it comes to boundaries, I think I love the question, what can you and only you do as a starting point? Hmm. So like Jessica, you and me, we are the only mothers to our children and we are the only wives as far as I know with you, but my (laughs) husband can only have one wife and I am it. I'm the only wife. (laughs) So I am the only wife to my husband. You're the only wife to your husband. I am the only mother to my children. Nobody else can do those things. Now, are there roles within mothering that I can delegate out? Yes, absolutely. Um, I need to be really clear about what that means because just because I'm the only mother to my kids does not mean I'm the only person who can make dinner in my home. It doesn't mean that at all. It means the essential aspects of nurture, of care, of their spiritual formation that can only come out of me as a mother I cannot delegate those away. Yes. So I want to know with my boundaries, what can you and only you do? And you may find if you're really honest with yourself, you're putting more things up there that aren't actually true. Hmm. Like start with what you and only you can do. Like you and only you can serve those roles. You and only you can care for your physical body. Hmm. Like nobody else can. So starting to be like, okay, so let me put some boundaries around the things that are like necessities. Yes. And then let me pay attention to things that I'm calling necessary that maybe aren't necessary. And if, if I'm over, if I'm sort of overburdened, how do I 
kind of call what is really necessary. And then on the other side of that, depending on kind of your temperament, are there people in my life who are calling things necessary of me hmm. that that it's actually their job to do? Hmm. And I, I'm so used to just doing it for them and, and receiving that as love or making that my purpose that I'm never really stopping to be like, oh, like you uh, who speaks to me so rudely, like I don't, <laughs> I don't need to, I don't have to be in a position where I accept the way you rudely talk to me. Like I can, I'm I'm a person who can then put a boundary up and say, Hey, if you want to have this conversation, that's great. But if it's going to involve screaming, I'm just going to go to the next room until you're ready to talk calmly. Hmm. Like Hmm. that's an example of a boundary. It's the ability to know like, Oh, like I don't have to take on other people's things either. I can engage with them in a healthy way. And if Hmm. if for anyone listening, who's like, this is like blowing their mind. There's not familiar or I'm striking a chord. I did a boundary series on my own podcast, Let's yes, Be Real, that you yes. can go listen to. So and I give some more resources there yes. as well. If you're just like, oh my gosh, you're describing me. This is my life, yes. you know? And that's actually what stemmed this whole conversation too, is some of those <laughs> notes in there. And I was talking with you about that. So I really appreciate that. I mean, it like, I think it does, like, I think a lot of us, it does blow, like even just hearing you say that too, just start with the most necessary things. Like what can only you do? And then also like the timer thing is so perfect, right? Like, cause we will go, like, I don't I don't know if you're all like me, but like once I start my day, I look up and I'm like, what time, how did it already become dinner time? Yeah. Right. Like, I think yeah. we can just go and not have time to, to check in and check in. So, um, any kind of final thoughts for those of us listening, any kind of final words, um, particularly just really, you know, I, I'm heavy hearted for this holiday season. It's just so different. Yeah. And I know a lot of us are really kind of struggling and wrestling through that. And just really trying to implement some of this, making sure we're checking in with our mental, emotional, physical, spiritual selves, but then yeah. also making sure that we're putting these boundaries in place for the things that we can and can't do. But um, any kind of final words of advice or wisdom? Yeah, I mean, I think that with the with the holidays being different, um, and it, depending on if you have kids in your life, in your home or whatever, mm-hmm. like, just remember that you are the leader, like, as adults, we're the leaders in our home and in our, in our households and our circle of influence. And one of the things that you can bring to people that maybe you can't be with in the season that you normally, are, I was just with a friend and who was like, I'm not going to be able to be with my dad. He's not comfortable traveling. Yes. And I said, what is it that you love about your time together? And how can you take the essence of that and find a way to make that happen anyway? Like, let's not have a pity party is what I'm trying to say. Like if we just, I (laughs) know I just talked about pain. Yes. All that's true. But the purpose of like journeying through pain is not so you can wallow in it. So you can just stay in it and just be like, and lose all of your energy and all of your vitality, all your hope. It's so you can walk through it and say, you know what, this is really bad. Like this is really hard, but this also is an opportunity for me to reconnect with what really matters to Mm. me. Like, what is super meaningful to me about that time together at Thanksgiving or Christmas? Like, is it, is it what, is it the conversations that we have? Is it the fact that we watch the game together? Is it the food that we eat? How can we recreate that? Even if we're not together, don't lose the essence of what you care about just because it cannot look exactly the same this year. Um, I think as Christians, especially like we are the beacons, we hold hope. We're the beacons of hope, which means there is always a time to sing. There is always a time to like recreate and do something different. So I would encourage everyone to to kind of think about what is it that I love about this season? I can lament and be sad that it can't be the same, but let's journey through that Mm -hmm. and like come out to the other side and say, well, let's recreate it in some way. Like Mm -hmm. let's do something. 
that gives us that, that togetherness that we long for. That's good. Nicole, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. And this is just fun to, to be sitting down here with you. I kind of feel like we're hanging out, but minus the whole computers and but like, but we're doing that thing, right? Yes, like, that's true. Of course, it would be better to be in person. Yes. Of course, I want to give you a hug. Yes. But at the end of the day, we still got to connect. Yes. And I think like in this season, the more we can just appreciate the pieces that we do have, yes. it will make it a little bit more, I think, tolerable than, yes. it, than it might be. Yes. Good. Preaching. I like it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Nicole. I appreciate you being Thanks here Thanks to us. you guys. And that is a wrap for our Green Share conversation with Nicole Eunice. Thank you so much for being connected with us today. Don't forget, you can share today's conversation with a friend or watch any previous conversations at hopechurchmemphis.com forward slash GCC, as well as listen on Spotify or Apple podcast apps. And as always, feel free to email me at greenshare at hopechurchmemphis.com. Love you guys and see you next week.